Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I am your host, Laura Malone, and we're here to talk about life coaching, entrepreneurship, leading yourself well, and lots of spirit-led life and business strategies. So thanks for joining me on this journey, and let's jump into today's episode. Hey, so I was thinking about something because I was reading a book. Um, I read a lot of Christian suspense, detective fiction type of stuff, or I listen to them on audiobooks. I don't necessarily need them to be Christian, but it keeps me from being in storylines that kind of lead to unfruitful thinking. So I usually stay in that zone unless somebody has a recommendation outside of it. So while my reading doesn't have to all be written by or to and for Christians, I do need it to be redemptive somehow. Even if it's an ugly story, it's painful, it's a struggle. I don't care. I just don't want to feel slimy afterwards, right? But most of these books, they usually weave a romance throughout the story. I don't need that either, but it just happens to be a common author's theme. And recently, I got to a point where I was like, just this big exhale and basically said to nobody, why does everybody have to fall in love in every single book? It's just not reality. (laughs) But what I was seeing was a theme where every couple fell in love within like two weeks of knowing each other. And it was honestly starting to get really annoying because, of course, the story is about over. We're past the climactic solving of the mystery and all the bad guys are arrested. And finally, two people admit they've fallen in love over the past two harrowing weeks. Now, I'm the first to admit my husband and I met on a Sunday afternoon and both heard the Lord speak to us the following Saturday that we were each other's match. I knew he was my husband. He knew I was his wife. (laughs) And we did get married four months later. But it actually took time to fall in love. It still required all the awkward weeks of, I know what the Lord said, but I don't know if you know what the Lord said. And I really like you, but I don't know how you feel about me. And then it moved into, I'm falling in love with you, and I hope you feel the same way. But once we spit it out and share the details of all of it, We ran kind of full on to the altar. So what happened that made the world brighter and the sky bluer the next day after I heard the Lord tell me this man was to be my husband? Like I'd hung out with him three times in six days. So even though I knew what the Lord said, I don't, I don't believe I could have been in love. Like I didn't know him. I believe love develops over time and it's not in, you know, a crowd that uh, like different crowds three times over a week. We didn't even have a crush on each other when the Lord spoke to us. What happened wasn't I fell in love. I fell in hope before I fell in love. I suddenly had hope that it was new and it was bright and shiny and possible and I didn't know exactly how it was all going to flesh out, but I did know it was going to change my life for the better. And I think that if we can fall into hope on purpose, if we could actually understand that hope is always near, it's always accessible, it's something we can reach out and get because the Bible actually tells us we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has gone on our behalf. That's Hebrews 6.19. 
we have an, a hope as an anchor for our soul. It's Jesus. And so it's always accessible. And hope, I think it's a noun. And I think it's a verb. And I think it's a belief, a thought, an emotion, and an action. I think it's, and I think it's a result and a legacy. I think hope can be every part of the pearl practice. Like it can be your paradigm, your emotion, your action, your result, and your legacy. It can fall into any one of those spaces. So let's talk about that and extract it because when you have hope, things look and feel different to you. You're going to think differently. You're going to believe differently. You're going to feel and act differently because you have hope. When we get hopeless, everything shifts, right? The world is darker from the inside out. And the enemy would, of your soul would love for you to stay hopeless. When you're hopeless, you're not a threat to him. When you're hopeless, you don't seem to, you know, be able to pick up a weapon. You, when you're hopeless, you don't feel like praising God, right? So worship and praise is a weapon. And that's not just in song. When you can experience hope and lean into it and even go find it or manifest it for yourself so that you can kind of walk through the portal of hope and step into it so you can operate from that place, you can shift things for you and your life. I have a young woman who is dear to my heart and kind of mentor slash sub mother when she needs me. And one day she called me because she was on a cross-country trip in a not very good car and she was going into missionary work. She didn't have the money and the support she needed and she was really struggling. Her car broke down in a very unsafe city. She didn't know anybody there. <laughs> and she called me because she's freaking out and much, you know, okay, that makes sense. You, first of all, don't have the money you need because people pulled their backing out. And then you took a step of faith and you cross the country and you go where you're supposed to be going anyway. And your car breaks down and you don't have the money to fix it. And you can't find anybody to fix it either. And it's the weekend. And this city is not a city to get stuck in as a young 20-something-year-old girl. So what I did is I I invited her to set aside the fear and anxiety and fatalistic belief system she was operating from, the hopelessness. And I invited her to step into what hope on the other side looks like. So what we did is we we looked at what next Wednesday was going to look like. She needed to be in California in a couple of days. And we went to, from this Saturday, we went to Wednesday. And we, we looked at what life was going to be like after she had finished driving all the way to California. Her car got fixed. She drives. They let her come into the school that she's arriving at. And they don't kick her out or send her back across the country because she doesn't have all of the support yet. God's going to provide everything she needs. And we talked about what is it 
what does it feel like to be there, to be in Wednesday? And when she got that and she was like, okay, that is going to feel like such a relief. I'm going to have so much joy and relief and hope when I get to Wednesday. I just don't have it now. And I said, let's have it now. Instead of waiting for Wednesday, let's, it by faith, pick up Wednesday's hope and bring it into Saturday. And so we just meditated on what's it feel like to have hope on Wednesday? What's it feel like to be operating in that relief and the joy and the satisfaction of what God has done because we have hope as an anchor for the soul? Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The power of the Holy Spirit is always with you as a believer. Always. He lives within you. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can abound in hope. You don't have to, though. It's your choice. Do you want to step into hope or do you want to stay hopeless? Do you want to live by default? Do you want to stay in the story that's working against you, that's harming you? What is it you want to do? Because this is a prayer in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. This is a prayer, right? So it's not something God's going to force you to do. He's not going to force you to abound in hope. Here's the deal, though. As a believer in Jesus, if you are a believer and the work of the cross, you're a Christian and you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, then your spirit has been born again. It is awake and alive. And Holy Spirit is there, whether you like it or not, whether you act like he is, whether you believe it or not. And so is that hope. You already have it. But when you live like your default, mode is to be hopeless and to be an orphan and to live in fear and to accept the anxiety, then where does that hope have room to rise up? You can jump into Wednesday and think, imagine, and shift your paradigm to if hope is out there on Wednesday after all these things fall into place. I don't know how they're going to happen. I don't have expectations that God will do X, Y, and Z exactly in this order and make it look like this so that I have everything that I want and need. We have expectancy. God is good and it's not done yet. We have hope and expectancy that God knows everything we have need of and that Wednesday to him is already done. So we step into that. We bring that by faith into Saturday. We bring it into our paradigm. We shift our beliefs and our thoughts and we take them captive so that we're actually thinking things that are truthful and fruitful. And then we let that lead into an emotion of feeling hope, feeling relief and joy and feeling it in our body. Like, what does it actually feel like in your body to have hope? What's it feel like in your body to not have hope? It's heavy. It's dark. It's yucky. It's painful. What does it feel like to have hope in your body? It feels lighter. Your shoulders are less stressed. Your neck is less twisted. Your gut is more relaxed. And you can, you're not clenching your hands. Like everybody feels it in a different place. Your face is lighter 
brighter. Your eyes are smiling. Your face isn't in a scowl. That's what hope feels like. And if you're lacking that, I invite you to practice this by actually thinking, when was the last time I felt a source of hope? When was the last time I fell into hope? You don't have to wait to fall in love for something like that, right? You can fall into hope. It's, it's doable. You can practice it, actually, and you can bring it into what you need in this moment because Holy Spirit will, his, the power of Holy Spirit will let that hope rise up. It's just waiting to come through. Bless your spirit to lead your soul and your body. Hope is to the mind what blood is to the body. It's a life source and we need it in our paradigm. We've got to live from this place where we get moved around and we get, we get bullied, we get shoved, and we get, we get beat down, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, we'll leave the light on? It actually comes from an old motel commercial. I say old because a lot of people listening <laughs> were not born <laughs> when this commercial was popular. But I think in uh, 1986, Motel 6 started ending their commercials with the phrase, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> I think it is literally the motto for hope bringers. Hope bringers are people who offer a helping hand, who lift people up when they're down, who find joy in smiling at broken, downtrodden people. And I think we can be hope bringers to ourselves in addition to being that for other people. Because hope is the light that we leave on. So I encourage you to step into hope, fall into hope on purpose. I think we're all, you know, at different times in our lives when we're searching for a relationship and love and everything, we're even in friendships, we're, we're looking to fall in love with somebody. And I don't know, it's such a beautiful feeling to fall in love. But I don't know, for me, I'm married, married to this one wonderful man for the rest of my life. I'm not going to fall in love with someone else for the first time again. Like, that was, this is it, right? But what I can do to experience some of that same thing is continually learn how to fall into hope. So again, I bring all of that back to this idea that I was reading books and everybody was falling in love in two weeks. And I'm thinking, is this practical? Why do all of these Christian authors always write like it's suspenseful and it's, or detective or canine rescue, right? And all of this stuff going on, but literally there's always got to be a couple who fall in love. I don't need them to fall in love. I just, I want to be engaged and like, I want to figure out who done it. <laughs> I like the psychological, I like all of this and that, but I don't need the romance in every one of them. I, it unfortunately kind of pulls away from the um, re reality of the story for me because every one of them especially in this one series I'm reading, like literally in every one, one of them is a cop and the cop falls in love with the victim that they're trying to like rescue or save or work for or whatever. And it's happening within the page, you know, within one book and all of these things are happening in one or two weeks. And I'm just going to say like, 
What if these people just fell in hope? <laughs> Can they fall in love later? Because that's actually a totally different story. That's a completely different storyline. And I would like books about what's their life like after they've been married 20 years, after they've seen some stuff, right? Tell me that story. Tell me how they're getting through that and weave a mystery around it instead of making everybody. I don't need people to fall in love. Let's instead write books that teach people to fall into hope. No matter what they're going through. Because that's something you can do consistently. You can't fall in love over and over and over and over and over again for the rest of your life, but you can fall in hope. So, so for now, friends, I pray for you and hope to find each other. And until then, I'll leave a light on for you. Hey, friends, don't forget to jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group if you haven't already. So you can connect with like-directed people and get free resources and ask for feedback all the things that are going to help support you on your calling as a coach. I hope to see you in there and don't forget to subscribe to the show.